Hello everyone, and welcome to the show. It's Nelson Kesuatu, known as Pastor Nelson. Nelson and I met back in 2019 through a mutual course. Nelson has personally and is on a mission to mentor others. He's here today. That's our work. Please welcome Nelson to the show. microphone you got going on <laughs> you're looking pretty serious <laughs> yeah we're live now yeah isn't that like supposed to be like i don't know the way i don't know I, I like it i don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> how are you i'm i'm good i'm very good you're pretty good how yeah. long have you been in edmonton so i've been far? in here i've been in edmonton this is four days four days i read wednesday night and here we are on saturday morning i've been going non-stop yeah, and how many people have you seen so far? So far altogether on the, a mentoring road trip, maybe, I haven't really counted, but maybe around 40, 42 people. 42 people. Oh, easy. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but then some of those meetings are two people and three people. What was funny, yesterday with a meeting I had, I was supposed to go to different restaurants. But as it turns out, you know, plans change, people cancel. I'm trying to move people into cancellation spots. And I end up sitting at a restaurant for six and a half hours. <laughs> it was funny. So we sit down there at 2.30. The guy wants to meet a half hour early rather than three. I'm in the neighborhood. Let's meet there real quick. So I said, okay, half hour early. The next guy cancels. So we have an extended visit of nearly two hours. Five o'clock. I walk from one side of the restaurant to the other. So from five, another two and a half hours till three this other student and then finally from 7.30 the last one was just somewhat quick somewhat quick so yeah six and a half hours at the same restaurant it was exciting yeah (laughs) and funny I didn't really run out of a lot of energy you know I wasn't there were days past when something like that would just wear me out and depending on your audience today they think they could I can never sit still for six and a half hours listening to people talking with them and coaching them through whatever they need to be coached through but that's uh i think that verifies that sense of calling that i have to mentor students this is easy i love it i come away charged up but i don't come away drag you know with my you know chin on the ground and all worn out and stuff like that so yeah it's pretty exciting day i think yeah i think the fact you you get so much and you probably get some energy from talking with people and helping other people out working probably through issues or problems or ideas and so it must be on the right path or yeah must be um yeah the right purpose you're you're going for here and uh, i guess for the people who don't know you what's your story about where would you come from well my name is nelson cashwatam uh i am saskatchewan i am indigenous also known as first nations (laughs) aboriginal Native, Indian, whatever the buzzword is, <laughs> I'm not terribly offended one way or the other. I'm not on it for someone to offend me. Uh, I'm, but the latest word, apparently, for our group is indigenous. So get it right, Peter. <laughs> Don't you dare call anyone Indian. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm from Regina, Saskatchewan. <clears throat> um, I don't know how much you want to hear. Just whatever, right? Yeah, whatever. You, well, you also yeah, no, but um, so you, you mentioned you're indigenous. Yeah. And, and um, did you grow up with the indigenous culture? Was that ingrained? A little into bit. You? Yeah, not not terribly ingrained. Uh, a little bit here and there, let's say. So my mom is Cree, my dad is Métis, 
So it was a blend of many, many things. So we got the Métis culture, we'd go uh, Jing and Foursquare dancing, and we'd wear that Métis sash and uh, get yelled at by my dad. <laughs> How many yelling dads do we have up in the audience, you know? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so, so that was very enjoyable, very enjoyable to know that part of our culture. Uh, uh, we learned Indian spirituality. Oh, I said Indian, indigenous, sorry, indigenous. <laughs> Not a lot. We'd a lot of ceremony. Um, didn't dance. Not that my mom was one way opposed to as another, but expensive. Some of those some of that traditional regalia cost thousands to make. Just really? thousands. Oh, you better believe it. Because it's one of a kind outfit. And the person who's making it spends oh, weeks, if not months, make. And it's supposed to be unique. Usually it has to do with a spiritual experience. Uh, let's say you have a dream. And that dream is about a specific color, or that dream tells you you should be a fancy dancer, chicken, traditional. Then you get to adopt that as an extension of your personality, your sense of calling, something like that. That's but cool. I did have a dream about a color one time, but I never did follow through. It was a bright fuchsia pink. And my mom said, that means you're supposed to dance. Never did dance. And, you know, nothing terrible came about it. But So a bit of spiritual, a bit of uh, culture side of indigenous I experienced more than the spiritual side this side because my mom was a residential school survivor would be a little bit more Roman Catholic so you see them the uh, you know the syncretism of all kinds of beliefs yeah and that's all right that's all right yeah but right now I'm a Christian yeah, yeah. and probably will stay that road for a little while <laughs> <laughs> And were you, I guess, were you Christian growing up, or was, was that something you adopted later on in life? Later on in life, um, we were a little bit more Roman Catholic growing up, which is fine, um, but probably around 19, 19 or 20, uh, that's when I took uh, Christianity a little bit more seriously. <clears throat> and uh, not to be all preachy, because my, my approach, even when I share my faith, is not to get all preachy with people. Unless they deserve it. <laughs> and uh, no. Uh, but the guy was just very gentle, very wise. And more than that, more than having the right words or the right message for me, he had character. He really had what church people like to call the love of Jesus. And so it was very, very nice. It was a, it was a good journey. He answered many of my questions that I had about faith. Crisis sometimes. <laughs> You know, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a confusing, I think I'm pretty clear on who I am and, and my faith and that I want to do. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, just curious, so do you think, like uh, you mentioned your mother, do you think uh, potentially your faith could have been different if your mother maybe wasn't exposed to the residential school system, if you maybe had more mm -hmm. of your pre-cultural background? Absolutely, but here's the thing uh, about, and I'm sure you know this, many in the audience know this, but um, she didn't have a lot of choice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, she's part of that 60s scoop. Um, and I never did hear too much about it. I heard, I heard the occasional story. Her first, I believe, eight years was day school, so the federal government, uh, a day school run by federal government, uh, white teachers, very, very strict, very abusive, physically abusive. And uh, my most terrifying stories of discipline and stress, and, um, and it was very sad to hear some of these stories that she shared. 
And then she was, uh, I guess, scooped up and made to go to residential school in La Brea, Saskatchewan. It's like it was a very, very long time. I mean, she was being raised by her grandparents. But to not have that choice, that's what really, really, it must have been difficult for her. So just scooped up, taken to residential school, no, no discussion. As a side joke, I like to say she was scooped up by the RCMP for her first <laughs> She never gets it, but <laughs> never a lawbreaker, but I like to have a little humor about it, you know. Yeah, fair enough. And yeah. It's interesting, and uh, I, bl- I, bl- I believe um, I found this out, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, that the uh, residential school is the last one shut down in 96. Right. And I thought about that, like, that's during my lifetime. Like, that's right. That wasn't long ago, and it long long past is recently and isn't that sad it is and some of the things that took place i don't really know myself yeah you know i'm pretty much was one of the one of the generations fully immersed in i'll say white education but for me frankly maybe i'm amongst the few i wasn't i didn't really thought of racism uh, mostly because i look hispanic (laughs) (laughs) they experienced a bit of racism and uh the long hair, the stoic face, you know. Uh, you know, they had brushes with the law when they were young, too. And, and a completely different world experience, even though we're in the same household. Different world experience. And, um, yeah, I just, my occasion experience amongst, um, you know, the world, I'll say it that way, it wasn't troublesome whatsoever. None at all. Yes. Okay. Awesome. And then, so afterwards, so what? How did you become come to be um, Pastor Nelson? <clears throat> Pastor Nelson. Well, they didn't have anyone else to choose. So you ever been? On, <laughs> you ever been on those uh, pick teams when, and you're always the last one? <laughs> yeah, <come laughs> that really on. makes you feel like yeah. a winner, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of the truth. But but at the same time, I wanted to be a pastor too. So the way it goes is. Following my 19-year-old conversion to Christianity, I uh, attended Bible school. I had left university. I was a little uh, concerned for me to quickly abandon my university track and head into the unknown of Bible school. Nobody knew where Christ ever. And then, uh, certainly, nobody was in ministry as far as I know, the Cashwatam clan. And so, and coupled with that, fear was uh, the idea that uh, education is really, really important to an Indigenous person because that's kind of the saving grace. It's a saving grace for everybody. I think if you really want to do well in this world, it requires good education. But back in nineteen in the late 80s, I felt the pressure to be educated and to, and to you know, conquer the world and, and by getting a good education. After all, my... Uh, my dad only had a grade six. My mom had a grade 11. And we felt, you know, the, the pressures that comes from our, our, our parents did. We didn't have the same opportunities, obviously. And so there was some, uh, some setbacks to experience there. So then with that in mind, I felt really, I've got to get an education. I've got to do well. Uh, and so to drop that and to go to this little discipleship school in Prince Ontario that nobody's ever heard of, <laughs> like that was a kind of a big move. Uh, but no regrets now. 
really good young adult years between 21 and 24. I was in a discipleship school in St. Catharines, Ontario. And it was probably, I think, in my first year, I was a volunteer in the church's youth group, okay? And I was welcomed to be a volunteer by a high school student. I have no idea what prompted him to invite me to the youth group. And like I said, I was 21 years old at the time. And uh, he says, you should come to youth group, which I laughed at the idea. I said, come on, I'm 21 years old. You know, you guys are 16, 17. No, no, not as a youth. You should come as a leader. I honestly, except it be God that was sort of prompting the whole process. Uh, yeah, and so he invited me on, and I said, and when I got there as a volunteer, welcome as a volunteer, there was some paperwork to fill out, some checks and balances, and I just fell in love with those young people. And here I am, how many years later, still reaching out to young people. You know, some of the students I see, they're high school students. I'm turning 49 this year. That was a while ago. 28 years. Yeah. That was a so while from, So it's one random moment of just absolutely randomly joining a youth group, mm-hmm. um, not knowing what to expect, not to be a leader, not knowing what's going to happen. could have been your only youth group ever. Yeah, and I could have left the next year or maybe the next week and, and said, I've had it with this. This is, bo- this is not for me. But it was for me. You know, it was for me. And I continued on Friday after Friday, uh, just serving young people, ministering in the local church there. Do you know what's really cool, though? This is really neat. I had the chance to reach out to the, the youth pastor that was back then in 1993. And uh, I was just doing some reflecting one afternoon using Google Maps and, and going back to St. Catherine's Ring. Well, I remember the church. I remember my first uh, stay in St. Catherine's. It's all room and board. There was no residence, residence at this Bible school. I remember living with this family. And I was just reflecting and being thankful, thanking God for the journey. And then I remembered an outreach we did, very special to young people. We did it to, I think the name of the neighborhood was Manchester Apartments. I don't know if they were government-sponsored housing or low-income, but it seemed to have been with a lot of teens that had a lot of problems, addiction problems. And uh, here, this church youth group, what do we know about some of the problems that they're facing? Some of the heartaches, the setbacks, the disadvantages that they have. And all we did was we tried to extend relationships, meaningful relationships to these other young people and did it through the venue of basketball. And let me tell you, boy, oh boy, those kids could play basketball. <laughs> they just, if it was mixed, they would have whooped us and whooped us bad. I was very, very impressed with their level of play. I played basketball through high school. I never played university ball, but these guys were very skilled. And it was cool. It was very cool. Yeah. So we did that, we did games, we did, and these were very interesting about that. Uh, those were the days before legitimate diagnosis, ADD, ADHD, uh, you know, fetal alcohol syndrome amongst teens or anxiety disorders. They were just labeled bad kids and lumped into a pile. And some of them were very disruptive, like let's say for having a group talk or something like that, we order pizza and a group talk. Sure, but... Those were very special times. 
You know, here's the thing about when you're out reaching out to people and, and trying to trying your best to be helpful. You can't always wait for the day to be an expert in that area because we certainly, but we we did what we can with what we have and work. And that's where you get some people wait for a perfect sunny day in order to be fully equipped and mm-hmm. have all the right answers and be experts in the area of health. And, and uh, one of those scenes back then, you might have been 13 or 14, out to the pastor who shared the story with me. The, pa- the youth pastor back then is named Sam. And I got in touch with Sam. And he says, do you know one of those teens reached out to me and he found me on Facebook and just said, thank you for all the work you did at Manchester Apartments. I'm a better person. I'm married. I've got my own kids. I've got a job. And so if all that effort was for one, for one student, hopefully there was more. But I say it's worth it, don't you? It's incredible um, yeah. just by, you know, either spending time with someone or um, what my, my friend Ethan on the first podcast mentioned, that sometimes someone just needs someone just to, for someone to listen to them. That's right. Express their problems or ideas or something they're going through. And that's all I need. It's incredible. Again, like what could happen if they just have someone may play some, play some games with them, play some basketball, spend time with them. That's right. That's right. And it is incredible. I'm, I'm very much a, a sports fan. But how much um, sports can bring people together? That's right. Um, you know, I mentioned like some of the best teams I was a part of was the most culturally diverse yeah. um, team. So my high school, um, high school soccer team, uh, we got silver in the the cities, mm-hmm. and I was um, like the like make a joke. I was like one of two white kids on the yeah. soccer team, and it was uh, kind of the most white names, Peter and Ryan. But then we got, <laughs> um, and but we had like. Um, other people like Godfrey, Fode, Messi, yeah. and Osmond, and so wow. a whole bunch of different cultures. So you kind of stood out then. Yeah, but it was it was amazing that we all came together because we all played on a team because we were all trying to win, and it was incredible. We all grew close. We built those relationships. You go through challenges when you played like basketball, trying to win a game, and mm-hmm. so yeah, it's, uh, basketball brought us together. Yeah, exactly. And created a bond, and, yeah. and then that's people. I think through that, people open up to you because you kind of went through almost like a quote unquote battle on the court, or yeah, absolutely. So I agree with that. I agree with that. Incredible. So, um, so I guess from your first youth, yeah, your first youth um, group experience, what kind, what spurred the moment, or what in your mind kind of clicked that you say, I want to do this, I want to start mentoring youth and help youth. Um, I'll just say. A moment of crisis, a good good crisis, where um, you just it just looks so appealing. Now that sounds pretty vague. <laughs> I was sitting there in March of 1994 at the end of at the end of a yet another Friday with the youth, where we got together with the youth group. It just basically was like youth church, yeah. youth leading the the entire service, and then our pastor Sam. Uh, thundering a sermon from hell, you know, just to scare the hell out of you, you know, and, uh, making light of Christianity there, uh, in a good way. Uh, but devotionally reading my Bible, uh, sitting there in one of the chairs, and I'm not sure if I got it memorized, but, but uh, in Acts chapter 20, Paul was talking to the elders at, at Ephesus, or the Ephesian church, and he was just basically sharing with them that there's doom and gloom in his future. He says, I'm, I'm about to go to Jerusalem now. I don't know what's going to happen to me, but I just have this feeling that I'm not going to see any of you guys again. That's not a good speech. <laughs> That's terribly inspiring. He's never see any of you. Know. 
something like this that um, I do not consider my life as any dear unto me, except that I may finish my course with joy and complete the task to testify to the gospel. And somehow the words jumped off the page and got me in the heart. I thought many things that are really quite all me too. But when he did, was anything dear unto myself, but that I may finish my course and the task that God's given me. And so in that moment, I felt compelling to leave all my dreams behind and God wanted me. And in that moment, it was working with young people here in this present moment. And it's never been traditional. It's never been, well, let's have a nice little church youth group. You come on out. Meeting up in pubs, coffee shops, wherever. Wherever young people are at home, that's where I go. And I like to have holy conversations. You think about your own life and some of those pivotal conversations that change the direction of your life, but in a good way. That's the kind I want to offer young people. I'll give you an example of what that looks like. In 1997, after I was done years of Bible college in St. Catharines, Ontario, I returned back to Saskatchewan thinking I'm ready for I'm ready for full-time ministry. And by then I had accepted fully this divine sense of calling to the pastoral ministry. And I had intentionally pursued a mentor. You know what that's like. You want to grow in any area, you find sure that someone older in that area and down. And you have a meal conversation, a pivotal conversation, and uh, just trust me. We were in many of our conversations. His name is Pastor Wally Wild Blessing. He said he wanted to name his daughter Ima. <laughs> and uh, he, he brought up this idea. He said, So are you going to more education? Going to Canadian Bible College now? And I, I interpreted his question and I kind of took it a little bit personal. And I, I thought, good enough. I think I've had a uh, with those thoughts running through the system. No, but uh, not really. But why would you ask me if I want to go on to yet more education? He says, no, I'm not do any of this, but every time we talk, you bring it up. To which I was, I do? Yeah, you talk about it all the time. Do I really? <laughs> Almost all the time. Do you know what to do? The heart, the mouth speak, like you always talk about? A little bit more attention to that desire. So that's a principle of life and living right there. What are you always good wise? What, what's always on your discussing? Yeah, and it's, it's interesting times um, either. And I think just we like to be comfortable in life. You know, mm -hmm. I like to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny how we get into uh, just complacency sometimes, either in mm -hmm. like, a place of living. Even we talk about we want something different, but we do something about it. And, that's right. As you mentioned, it takes to just sometimes a little bit of courage and listening to your heart. Your yeah. heart. Uh, yeah. To pursue and just, uh, and have fun though. Have grace with yourself. You know, if mm -hmm. everyone messes up, we all make mistakes and yeah. and take it easy on yourself for sure. But but pay attention to the desire that's. In I got some funding and I went back to and I completed a bachelor of religious education. Nine years full time Bible college. And I never ended up getting married. Isn't this pitiful? <laughs> college, bridal college. Most often you partner your life at Bible college or university for yeah. you know, during your young adult years, but never did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, now, 28 years later, still mentoring you. What is uh, what goal do you have over to accomplish in 10 years or on time, or do you have other videos now? Yeah. 
on all the blue food. Absolutely. Just short, short, uh, my overall goal is just to be helpful to people in, in their journeys and what themselves to be. And, uh, some of this, I'm learning to the courage at, um, is like online work like you're doing here. Uh, podcast, perhaps. Whatever that looks like. Frankly, I don't have a lot of expertise in that area, and sure enough, you can become self-taught. Like you're very self-taught. You don't know something, you just go ahead and you. Yeah, I hope and, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah for sure, <laughs> for sure. And for me, I'm a little more timid in that area. And oddly enough, uh, from my side, you know what? They're large savvy. Uh, they understand what it would, and just friends. Uh, it's a student that I've been seeing for eight years. It makes it sound like every poor meeting. No, but he lives in here. I live in town. I'm sure to see him. He's, he's pretty successful for 27. Uh, and uh, just lots of potential. So we always we always have questions. If you want to be a great learner, you got to have great questions. So he asked me everything from me. We'll just wait. And so I'm... Ever, he says, you know, next time you're in town, my mom wants to meet you. That's a thing. It's quite high honors to be invited into someone's house to meet people's parents. And it was just a wonderful, really wonderful hours. It food, uh, the good, good question of some of the key things that I've learned. Doing somebody's book, you kind of tell. You know, they're not chiseled in your heart, nor formed, but experience. But those riches that you learn in your past usually comes from your life experience. Mm-hmm. Hey, offer all kinds of modes of education developed. Nothing the story you tell when you come through the fire. Don't you know that the championship stories you tell for is better than the championship tip story you Jordan? Yeah, yeah. The story you deal. That's what I hear. You know, I'm always concerned about those who have wonderful success and quote other people's books and stories. Well, what about your life? You know, going on in your life, tell me about your life. That's what you want to hear. Long story short, long story short sakes. Uh, <laughs> okay, we have time. I'm trying to shorten it. Yeah. Oh, we have time. You asked me this question like 25 minutes ago. Okay, we have time here, really. Okay, good. Your time. And uh, so, so, girls, goals. These guys, amongst many few others, many few, you've got to get to the public. You've got to reach a broader audience. And, and I've been a little shy of it. Uh, for pers- more personal reasons than anything. Is that going back to almost, is that re- more or less, maybe that means yeah. pushback potentially, is that what Pushback is, part- you know, we all like to be liked. There's no, not everybody's going to like you, and you just have terms with that. Sometimes, did you know you're haterly, um, that you're doing the right thing? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure, because you're doing something, you're doing nothing. Who's going to hate on you? It's, inter- it's interesting that, um, when you almost quote-unquote make a good point, or you've got, gotten someone in a point, and they know they're, Mm-hmm. They're caught. They they don't like to admit it sometimes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so they express an anger and yeah. But um, but it's it's kind of almost insanity. Um, while I'm going through social media. Um, just because of suddenly, business savvy, and they just basically two or three steps. That's all you got to do if you want to start a podcast. A B C. We all need some some you know some some software equipment. That's something that I'm not familiar on. So for those expertise that, that you don't have naturally have or you're not in, typically inclined to be self-taught, that's pretty trusted. So people in Edmonton, people back Nelson, you really need to align with, with some things that you say in order to be helpful. Here's another thing that stops me. I have a little bit more care personality and in days past, I've really reveled it. And that's really what I honestly want to have. 
not from but my own, you know, because the limelight is very seducing. Mm. And after a while, if you have, if you addicted limelight, like Jay-Z says, you know, ball players, rap stars addicted to the limelight. I don't know if you have to get this off, but that's his lyric from, from uh, Empire State of the Mind. Anyway, point is, point is, I don't, I fear addicted to the limelight. Because if you're addicted to the limelight, you begin to change and adjust your game in order to remain in the limelight. You gotta be careful. And me knowing who I am, I got a bit of, bit of char- charisma. I am a personable guy. I'm a public. Uh, I just want to be with myself. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting for the right reasons or the wrong reasons because sometimes being in or uh, being in a position of power, um, um, you can change in a way, or maybe it's a slippery slope because you get some perks here and there, or maybe yeah. people perceive you in some sort of way they will do things for you. Yeah. And um, I was watching a documentary uh, yesterday, it's called Athlete A on Netflix, yeah. where a doctor for the USA Olympic team, Larry Nazar, um, was. Might have been hundreds of women inappropriately touched them over the years. And he was wow. a state classics doctor and Michigan State doctor, and not until probably like 2016, mm-hmm. where he was, I think, convicted of all this. And Isn't that sad? And he was received as like a good person because he, he obviously was a doctor. You want to help people and you have to volunteer and mm-hmm. initially. And you know, that's what you're saying because if ever I'll say this, if that puts me in a place of position, power, and influence on a large scale, I just want to be sure that I've got my issues in check mm-hmm. where there's nothing secret about me. I don't want any, I don't want life to be different than my public life. This, I think I've been, I've had a private life and uh, it's your own soul mm-hmm. because soul is dichotomous. There's a public and there's private and you try and desperately keep them separate and you don't want them to discover you that imposter syndrome. What if they find out I'm a sham? What if they discover these secrets of addictions I want to go there yeah. and, and in order to not go there it's important to not have a terrible God over the years uh, has been bringing me to a place of good health spiritual health so feeling a little bit more brave to step out of that boat and do the impossible yeah it's great I, I encourage you um, yeah. I always get um, great value mm-hmm. and enjoy conversations every time we, every time we speak yeah and, I appreciate you know, that and you know, you know, I'm not overly religious. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not a, a church goer. I don't go every Sunday. I go yeah. once in a while um, yeah. to um, Ukrainian Orthodox and what's up, Ukrainian Orthodox. <laughs> and you know, I just uh, I enjoy the stories because I think even though if you're not even religious, I think mm-hmm. a lot of religious texts, well, whether it be the Bible or maybe yeah. the Quran, yeah. or um, not too familiar with other religious texts, but usually they have usually. And the stories have great um, principles, great life lessons. Obviously, by some people, some groups get taken out of context, and then mm-hmm. we focus on one part of the text. And yeah. That's where you get these radical groups. But if you get these, um, the majority, I think, of the base religions, there is fundamentally good mm-hmm. and good lessons. Yeah, there's always imposters at every level, don't you? Yeah. Don't you know that? And people don't realize that when it comes to Christianity. Listen, if there is a counterfeit $100 bill, you better believe there's going to be a counterfeit Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about being all suspicious about other blends or sects of Christianity. Uh, I had a student recently talk to me about, what do you think? And I thought it was a brilliant question for grade 12 students, uh, 16 years old. Pretty good mind to ask the question. Well, what do you think of how the church took your parents away? Uh, 
house them in residential schools, stuff religion down their throats, uh, and there's all levels of abuse that is just horrible and traumatizing to even, even listen to. That's the con part of. And I said, well, and, and same with a roommate, she kind of uh, offered that same question with so much scandal in the church. How do you find yourself to be a part of it? And to which I've offered an idea. There's everything good, from paintings to music to religion. And I offered this principle. You could always tell it how by the fruit it produces, right? Yeah. Yeah, Listen, we could argue over the bark of the tree. We'd argue up of the tree. We'd argue over the leaves it produces, the color, the season. But you could, at the end of the day, tell what kind of tree by the tree the tree produces, by the fruit it produces. Yeah. Guess what? If an or- if a tree is producing oranges, it's orange. Hey, there you go. There you go. <laughs> it's that simple. Yeah. And so, if the church is producing good fruit that's admirable by everybody, and that's a good tree. That's a good church. But if a tr- if a, a church is abusing people, you know, and uh, like historically. Abusing uh, and uh, yeah, First Nations can't be a good tree. That can't be the real thing. No. Jesus said, "I bring you abundant life." Then that's got to be a counterfeit. That's got to be a counterfeit. And the re- the way you tell the real from the counterfeit is you study the real, right? Study the counterfeit. All those counterfeit one hundred dollar. You could tell by looking at the real thing, and you could distinguish right away a counterfeit. Feel me? Yeah. They study the real thing. They study, study the real thing. Yeah. Match it up side by side against the counterfeit. You can tell the differences right away. Exactly. I think it's uh, like a counterfeit bill from a real bill. I sometimes think especially with uh, illuminated plastic, mm-hmm. it's about changing the angle of the bill. Yeah. That's, that's almost like in life, changing your perception or how you view something. So mm-hmm. changing, looking at uh, how you view things from a different perspective. That's right. Again, to find the real Christianity, find the real. Brilliant. So, these real fundamental, um, like, wholeness and goodness religions, mm-hmm. I think they almost stay thought, um, through these atrocities, like, through the... Mm-hmm. How do you distinguish the good from the bad there? Uh, from the bad? How do you distinguish what... Yeah, yeah the atrocities, like you mentioned, like, the, say, the residential... Yeah. How, like, that, you know, that, you know, I guess Christianity, like, it wasn't part of the actual mission of mm-hmm. Jesus and God. Mm-hmm. So, how do you think, how do you think, distinguish um, the good from the bad? people from there like who are carrying on the, the word of God in a good way mm-hmm. well I think the way that I distinguish let's say present day is I look at the carrier of the message and you want their personal character you know uh, I don't think I would <laughs> I think that would be a red flag. Yeah, a little discernment required there. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's no judgment. Are you against people who get divorced? No. no. Here, here, the point that I'm making. You know, yeah. it's like almost hard to cut you off. It's almost like, would you? And also, you're not trying, not trying to bash anyone, but would you want to? If you're looking to get in shape, would you want to get trained by a maybe a complete overweight trainer who doesn't work out himself, tell him what to do? Right. That's right. There you go, bro. Uh, character of the messenger themselves, you get the fruit of their ministry over the long haul. And then you look at the quality of the message. Is it Jesus-centered or them-centered? You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah. Does it cause me to be more impressed with them and charm and look how amazing they are? Or does it draw me closer? Many years ago, and there's been, I'm just making up a number here, uh, many, let's just say many movements uh, flagging Christian uh, religion, you know, and then this is Christianity. I was, uh, and really it's not, it's just a form of, it's a counterfeit, it's kind of, so I was in Ottawa one time and there was this fabulous preacher and he was on fire, he was the latest, greatest, he was selling knowing all this uh, language that the church back then used. Would it be almost like a Joel Olstein type? Yeah, and then and then people were just walking to him. And uh, I sat down in the, in the church and I thought, hey, I'm going to go check it out, why not? And I just sat there, there was just something wrong on the inside with me. I just felt checking my spirit, so to speak. I don't know, man. I feel more impressed with him than he's, he's so flamboyant and charismatic, amazing and charming and seducing, really. I thought, whew, something's wrong here. I ain't going back. I ain't going back. And I suggested that. So in other words, uh, do they eclipse Jesus? You're more impressed with them than the fall religion mm-hmm. that they purport. That's very concerning. Yeah. That's very concerning. Yeah, and then that's what happens sometimes. Uh, sometimes people start off with good intentions, but again, mm-hmm. people, they're very charismatic, and, maybe, and you want to probably the message, and mm-hmm. you want to obviously spread the word in a good way, you do it in a charismatic way. Probably some more people listen, I imagine, and mm-hmm. and then maybe over time that they notice the people are, he's very nice, and they... Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't. I'm not like obviously very knowledgeable in this area. Mm-hmm. However, yeah, neither the time though. Then you know, obviously again, like your movie star almost, and your star love you. You can't do anything wrong. You're right. That, that's the foolishness. So it's a tricky line, right? Yeah. It's a tricky line, and uh, yeah, that's the concern of the limelight. And you mentioned like it's uh, the fr- look at the fruit it bears, and mm-hmm. and also the fruit of the fruit of the message it's, it's bearing. Is it for is it for the purpose or the the goal they're trying to attain, or is it for themselves? That's sometimes what happens, um, um, almost like a negative side of social media in a sense, especially mm-hmm. almost um, mm-hmm. in this day and age, um, political spectrum, people sometimes have views, and I think sometimes people only look at the, the view and don't look at the, the fruit of the person and who they are. I take the time um, I like that. to just let the, hear the personnel, kind of almost like we're doing here, just yeah. have a good conversation. and. And again, sometimes people do make mistakes, and sometimes people are bad, and sometimes even even in the court of law, if someone is um, guilty, they still have, I think, um, have a chance to view mm-hmm. um, what they've done, even if, it, if we know it's wrong. So yeah, I think it's good again to get to understand where they're coming from. That's true. Very well said. So, um, so now, so twenty eight years, mm-hmm. and and do you, do you so are you going to do a podcast or just videos for on Facebook or yeah. Right now, it's just videos for now on Facebook. What I do is, uh, it's a lot of just personal reflection, you know. I, I don't read that much, unfortunately. I, I really should. Readers are leaders, you know. I listen to a lot of podcasts, probably maybe one every day for sure. I, I, love, I love documentaries or docu-series. Like yeah, all, all sorts yeah. of uh, access yeah. to knowledge and education, isn't that true? Oh, it's not always uh, reading. But... Personal reflection. Recently, I did a, a video on um, uh, fear, fear and permits. That sounds good. Yeah. And it went something like this: that uh, uh, the word permits in the dictionary, and 
it went something like permission from local governing authority to administer a service or complete a task. Permission from a local governing authority to administer a service or complete a task. That's what a permit is. Very simple. Very simple. I had a friend who uh, moved from small town Manitoba to big city Alberta. He was excited for a new ministry position. And uh, he and his wife settled into their first home in Calgary. They're settling in. He comes across some large boulders that are underneath the back deck. They were uh, put there aesthetically, you know. They look nice. Also notice that the backyard did not have a uh, fire pit. And you just understand from underneath to around the fire, which would look also very mm-hmm. quite nice, aesthetically pleasing. So he did. He went about these boulders, though they were large, uh, they weren't heavy. They have been just maybe manufactured. They weren't actual boulders. Uh, and so he didn't need any equipment. He just put them in his wheelbarrow, walked them across the yard, dumped them. Something like this, if I remember my story correctly. And uh, just a small change to his back would require equipment or, or landscaping, nothing. He received a notice in the mail that he'd violated the bylaw. You cannot make any change to your yard whatsoever from a local governing authority. Their service or complete task you can't do. Now the good news, and he was beside how ridiculous a permit for me to haul boulders across. That's just ridiculous, especially when you come from a smaller town. Exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, he didn't get funny. He just got a warning. After all, good neighborhood. And uh, so. There are other permits too that are that are needed. I remember when I was depending on depending on what you need to do. I remember when I was a pastor at, here in Edmonton. I was a pastor of a First Nations, and sometimes you marry young couples that haven't been married before. Other times you marry couples that have been living together for years. Whatever the case, this particular couple, our church. Let me have detail here. Our church was renting from a large church. We were doing our services. Therefore, we're in the afternoon. And uh, policy in place, which I agree with. No dancing. Now, it's not that this family was drunkards or alcoholics. Extended family probably would want to do some drinking and definitely some dancing. Yeah. They want to get their groom. And so they had to rent a hall. As it turns out, there's a hall available right in their own neighborhood. However, to serve alcohol in a public, they needed a permit. Mm-hmm. What's a permit again? Uh, permission from a local governing authority in order to administer service or perform a task. And so they went and got that permit. There was also conditions that they had to abide by, which they did. And at the night, they had to clean up the hall, get rid of that, and put everything back in order. Getting, right? After, you know, after you're drunk as a skunk and, and you've all danced out and uh, you're looking forward to some unfinished business, <laughs> you don't want to be cleaning, you know, cleaning out that hall. And that permit, they was a uh, so, Jesus one day, talking with his disciples, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Do not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I read it in a different version of the Bible, the Amplified Bible, and it says, Peace I leave, my peace I bequeath upon you, something like that. And a permit, permit, your hearts to be afraid. What's a permit? Permission from a learning authority. Guess what? In order to fear to be in, it needs your permission you to operate in your life. Don't permit fear. What's particularly encouraging about that scripture is that it assumes or 
tells you that you are the authority over your life. It's trying to give you control of your own life so that you can be empowered to resist fear. You can tell it no. Worry thought comes into your heart, into your mind. No. But here's the problem. We just allow fear and worry. We just allow any old thought to come into our hearts. You are No. Because you're the governing authority of your mind. You don't have to entertain fearful, angry thoughts. Tell it no and stop giving it permission. It's exciting. Yeah, I think it's a great it. I think it's a perfect message for people to hear, especially well, especially right now, especially during the pandemic. Again, the, the current political climate that, hey, um, um, one, um, don't give into fear. Don't believe everything you hear, but also don't believe, um, don't believe all the all the negativity sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, but also the negativity in your mind. Sorry. And and again, you're in power to choose what you think and what you want to do. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes people feel they don't. And I think uh, they need to hear that, that they do have that, um, that mm-hmm. power to do so. I read or heard in another podcast that not what you think is true. So you, right. know, you don't have to believe. And then in, in another read, um, um, it's called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself or Being mm-hmm. You by Dr. Joe Tenza. Okay. And basically, so if people, they have an idea, initial thought of being fearful, and then they start feeling the fear in their mm-hmm. body, then mm-hmm. over time, um, if they don't break that essentially habit, and it happens over and over again, and you start feeling the fear before it even happens, then you start thinking fearful. So you live with that yeah. experience that happened. So then that's why some people continuously can't because they have experience they lived 10 years ago but they continuously live mm. in the moment in that moment yeah they're stuck on it right so it's again you have that power to yeah not believe everything you think and, yeah. and, it, and it, take, it takes work it takes work so you think it's be intentional don't you you think um, I think going to the gym the, the physical gym is the most difficult part in your life, but I think by your familiar I love it yeah many years ago uh, when I was a youth pastor in 2002 on MSN Messenger. Anybody remember that? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was... Throwback. Yeah, throwback. <laughs> yeah, and uh, she was messaging me back and forth. And, and she just a young lady. Maybe she was 15 at the time. She was talking about how she's having trouble in her thoughts. And she just shared a few thoughts. And, you know, she didn't... She's not very herself. I, I can't remember the entire scenario after all those 18 years ago. And responded back by asking her, have you, do you know what Dasani water is? Is that, is that the right pronunciation? Dasani? Dasani? I think Dasani sounds better. It sounds a little bit different. And, uh, and, and she kind of laughed. Why? Well, Dasani has this commercial how back then, uh, their water is filtered seven times to ask her, how often do you fill thoughts? Or do you just let every thought live in your head? Your, your thought process to to your thoughts and dismiss them and said in chapter 8 Paul the Apostle finally brothers whatever is true whatever you know whatever is right and it goes on down now what if we just took whatever is true just whatever is factual reality whatever is true maybe half of them Half the things I think aren't even true. Okay, don't think about them then. Yeah. You know, half the things uh, I, I reflect on are fearful imaginations that aren't real. And 
you give them space in your head and you just let them sit there and through your head again and you're experiencing all kinds of fear yet unbelievable isn't it yeah, i think i think most people experience that sometime uh, in their lifetime where fearful are fearful of something going to happen or anticipate and anticipate something and that's and not true. Constantly go over in a scenario in their mind, they fear it or feel it before it happens. And it does never happen. And, it may, and then it instead of allowing yourself to you know, maybe go into it with uh, maybe an open mind, open experience, but uh, again, you mentioned <laughs> instead of, you know, you know, podcasts are great for learning, books, and yeah. also, awesome. but also Audible, you know, the audiobooks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going through life because it teaches you so much going through life. And, you are from the beginning, you go through something, you come out of yourself, you mm-hmm. gain a new perspective, some confidence, you gain some knowledge, gives you to do more. Yeah, so you, you sift through those thoughts and you think about whatever's true. Okay, so you take the true and then you move on to the second filter, whatever's noble. Sift through those thoughts again. Man, wait, whatever's lovely, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, these things. No, thank you, Pastor Nelson, I'm just on all the crap in my stead. Because so much benefit and happiness to Why? And it goes on. A lot of peace will be. A lot more people will yeah. down. Okay, so. Yeah. Right? World peace, world peace. You know what? Never mind. Let's start there. Let's start with having ourselves. And, and then let's see. You I think that's a fair point. Pastor Nelson on the phone here. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That's why. You know, yeah, I'm not. I'm just throwing um, mm-hmm. myself. I love stories and also music because um, it helps us get yeah. um, comedy. Comedy is incredible. Um, stand-up comedy. Um, there's c- comics who push narratives and can be on, I'll get on that line between controversial now, but in comedy allows people to laugh. And as you're laughing, you're in a, a good state, a good process. Yeah. Issues. Yeah, humor is good. There's uh, um, Michael Shea, Michael King, he's talking about the Black Lives Matter movement and mm-hmm. And he's talking about, and he's like, oh, first of all, he's like, um, he's like, Kemp, he's like, he's like, yeah, you live in society today, um, I'm going to butcher this. Yeah. He's like, well, they were just saying Black Lives Matter is controversial. Mm-hmm. He's like, matters more. He's like, matters. Right. He's like, that's what we're talking about negotiation, it just matters. And then he goes, he goes, like, um, in response to all, he's like, that's when your wife comes up to you, do you love me? And you're like, all wives matter. He's like, he's like I, come on, babe, I love everyone. That's what you're saying to your wife. There's, I saw it on, I maybe know this story. I, th- I saw it on Facebook or um, something about a third sheep or 99 sheep, a story uh, I think from the Bible mm-hmm. where there's one sheep in trouble and then I think someone says, why about that one sheep when you have 99? That is fine. Let well, me go out to get that one. Yeah. So it's like, so it's like yeah, it's like we're not that all lives matter. There's certain people and certain ethnic cultures that mm-hmm. people feel they're been wrong just pause mm-hmm. and raise them up as well. That's, I agree. I really do. I've seen, uh, there's many good opinions out there. I do agree that all matter, but here's the best response. It's a responsatory statement to all Black Lives Matter. Yeah. You see, it existed before Black Lives Matter. Yeah. But all Lives Matter is a response to Black message of Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter don't matter more, like you said, but they're, like you said, let's raise that for them. Um, I've seen one particular, I don't remember who, so you give credit, but that's just too bad. <laughs> so it's like being on the block, or block you live in, and there's five, all houses matter. But one of them is on fire. 
How about we attend to the one that's on fire so that we outfire and eradicate any or any harm or any hurt? It matters just as much. Fine. But let's attend to the fire first. Let's get rid of that. So, yeah. all lives matter. That's ridiculous to deny. Yeah, I think, you right. know, for them to be flagging right now, assist and, and be have passionate approach. Yeah. Also, especially in Canada, I'm not very in the United States case, but I think also the indigenous people of Canada who are here, I think also uh, need help out as well. And mm-hmm. um, in certain cases, like, I'm not knowledgeable in that area as well, so oh, I'm an expert, but um, I guess from what I'm, from what I know, um, there's um, some, well, there's a lot of things that I have to assess, I believe, um, especially 2020, I think there's a lot of systems in place that seen it, but I think almost like they haven't been uh, reassessed in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, what's anything? It's not a bad thing, but just look at everything going on and see where we can do that. Yeah. What's not working, working and right. And then, yeah, I'm not, yeah. not too heavily aided, and those things that need to be changed. That would be uh, another conversation for another day. Oh, no. As difficult it is to pe- for people to admit faults, because um, we all make mistakes. And, and again, I don't admit when I'm wrong. You break it, you don't want to, you don't want to return it. You said you lost yeah. others. And, yeah. And I think everybody's like, looking at the past. Um, history, um, history, what we've done, some of the atrocities that happened. Um, so I think majority of the alive when a lot of these happened, most of it. Obviously, and then from that, it almost kind of, so we're all living again the fruit of someone's labor in a sense, to deal with. And, yeah. And some of somebody's mess. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's okay to say, hey, I messed up. We mm-hmm. messed up. And then it's like, no, I'm moving. Like, forget about it. Move on. We care about that thing. Say, so just not for me. This is all. Like, they get like see, um, perks, like they get hunting wad, they don't pay mm-hmm. top for my, for my uh, taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think um, um, I'll, I'll maybe um, come together as um, as like two different nations, I guess, if you want to put it that way, and maybe go into their, I guess, because I'm serves up to maybe be like, like almost like a nice, like, and, like those nicer mm-hmm. homes. Yeah. Because things, I think sometimes the environment we live in, mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. you only see maybe items or what yeah. you, all you know, that's all you think I could break. And a lot of those things are from residential school, you know. I guess from, so you've been also mentoring a lot of, you've had conversations with like, mom, mm-hmm. I'm 25, so I guess that's, I think in some cases, yeah. depending, depending on so yeah, yeah. I'm still the same full, but, yeah. um, me too, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, cause I think a lot, a lot of the younger generations are wanting change. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I think a lot of them are, I'm not going to say they are looking for change, but mentor and speak with a lot of youths from what you're experiencing, the conversations you're having, so what do you see um, as um, some, maybe some issues you're noticing or maybe some, um, um, what's for commonalities with people what they're looking for, maybe a desire that works. Maybe people like, for example, do you think you maybe find people working a job that they hate and they're looking to do something else? Do you find that common amongst the youth or mm-hmm. find some views they have are the same? Like, what's your, what's kind of your perspective? Well, I, um, whenever I see youth, I try not to have too long in. I do a lot of listening, and uh, as I listen and I observe some of the conversations, I do know. Uh, a breakdown in family. One of my first observations, just general observations, I often notice, uh, especially among uh, children and their fathers. You know. Do you think? Sorry. Um, yeah. Do you think that's because maybe of like the, how much cultural happened from Christian generation till now with all the political and mm-hmm. how much we be progressive society and how things mm-hmm. you think that absolutely can contribute to it. I mean, but uh, but a lot. Uh, that I try to, that I would love to get men feeling it, 
you know, getting into their emotions again. Uh, some, and uh, I think it's just plastic, you know. Some of, some men are great at anger, they're great at withdrawing, but they're not much good at much, <laughs> at much else, you know, in terms of expressing affection, uh, admitting their emotional need for other people. There's some, there's a lot of realization uh, with being vulnerable with us men, us men. And uh, we're afraid to be vulnerable and feminine, you know, in the experience uh, of our emotions. So that theme often comes up. And I, and essentially, I'm not trying to coach them, coax them, or make them their emotions. Rather, just to be a safe place for them to express their emotions. And also, sometimes I find myself set the example that if I have issue and excess, I just take some. And sometimes it can be uncomfortable at first, but whatever, you know, to be uncomfortable, be to experience sadness and also sadness. I mean, a couple of students got together during you have your cohort of friends and you kind of stick to those. 100%. I had my watching a couple of videos and I put to them, and I like to ask questions to get them reflecting. I think a lot of growth comes from not only reading, but also doing your own reflection uh, of your own life. And I put in your epitaph, or however you pronounce that, so educated I am. <laughs> and what's that? I think that honestly, I think it's just a statement that you put on your headstone. I said, I know it's a little to think about that. But the truth is, the death rate is 100%. Right? Nobody's gay here alone. No. And so I think there's something so powerful about living your life with in mind. At the end of your life, and then if that's what you want people to ask how are you living now to contribute? And then we did other things. Very, very helped a lot of focus to um, because so we went on to watch my mom's slideshow. Do you want to watch my mom's slideshow? They said, yeah. I said, I had to do it. I'm not very good. It took me like 14 and eight minute slideshow. It was a little difficult with software and uh, on and on. Choose songs and edit like crazy. Uh, so I did that. And then I had a few sad moments and I started weeping. And here I am sitting watching. I thought, I can't stuff those emotions and I just expressed it was in some ways helpful to them to see an old you know experiencing his emotions and experience and express so they're weirded out it's good it's important to not stuff bury or how feeling you know doesn't mean you have to express every single feeling or be this mm-hmm. explosive ball of emotions but say so you know so often I don't know what it is about say today we're just afraid of the emotional side and it's a bad thing I like to say, like, shutting down your emotions is like numbing your tongue, in that you get all kinds of experiences of food, but you can't tell the difference between the other. Nothing is distinguishable, and there nothing is all that enjoyable. No, you know? no I think losing, yeah, your, losing your taste buds, I experienced that back in uh, January. Um, I'm healthy now, healthy now. I just got really sick. Mm-hmm. I think it might, I think I think I might have been the I might have been I wasn't diagnosed as sick because lockdown gross my stuffy nose and all of a sudden I couldn't smell anything mm-hmm. like whatever it's winter time you're indoors all mm-hmm. and then and afterwards and then couldn't taste anything no I, I was sad I was trying to have bacon but I couldn't taste all I could just basically have the texture and it, I always thought to myself almost living through life like black land. And, and life is bland when you're to express your emotions. Yeah. You know, if you just limit the spectrum, the beautiful spectrum. And then emotional 
uh, emotional parts of our life. Things some way. Some are really gushing. Be the same. Either, no. You know, you don't have to look at someone who's. I don't want to be like that. You don't have that. No. Just talk to us. Yeah. Yeah. That's also just a perfect. Uh, I guess dealing with. Um, I guess with different not only feelings with other people, but different viewpoints, mm-hmm. thoughts. Um, you don't have to necessarily. I would say you don't have to necessarily agree with their feelings or like their. You have to acknowledge it and respect, mm-hmm. it. and we all have to get to live with it. In a sense, so. and fear. And again, again, we have to also be able to express things, our ideas, thoughts. Though being again, I'm not sure. Just examples. I know some people, and again, I don't know the extent. So what they said, but I know people have been removed from social media or platforms from having to do, or and they've been removed from media. Wow. Um, I think, yeah, again, we have to allow people having a, um, I guess, a right or like political spectrum, just mm-hmm. allow people just, again, what we're doing is allow them to really feel uh, the yeah. reasons why they feel what they use behind what they said. And just kind of understand where I was watching a documentary, I remember the name, oh, gosh darn it, but mm-hmm. I remember, I remember, I, I can pull up my phone, I should, but it's on Netflix, and he basically is, goes to Russia, and there, uh, the gay population, the LGBT community. I apologize if I don't have a uh, proper acronym. I know it's changed a little bit over mm-hmm. the past year or so, I believe. Okay. But um, they're uh, persecuted. Yeah. Like, like, it's like they're finally allowed to exist, in a wow. sense. Well, they always I, yeah. I don't mean that sorry. I didn't mean to sound like no, I'm <laughs> But uh, I mean, like, they try to have like, peaceful rallies, people, peaceful gatherings where they all come together. And, um, and another people, I think one, per- like, one person like set up, set up a stink bottle. In their like stunk to high heaven and okay, and so obviously the supporter he, he goes to one of the, pe- the group the people on the other side who's against um like well what do you say uh, people I guess what was that fair to say I don't know I guess I hope so. that's fair to say I apologize if it isn't but yeah. um, um and he basically asked him if he can follow him and kind of get, dig deeper on his side instead of just kind of showing almost one one side of things on um, the one one point of view. Then he asks him questions and falls around, and the guy allows him to kind of fall around and experience life, how he experiences life. Mm-hmm. And was it's been against um, gay people and I guess um, the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. He was kind of almost didn't want to lose the traditional Russian culture. He didn't want that to lose that. Okay, cool. So I think sometimes I can excuse that you see people are going to kill my Russian culture. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it doesn't excuse the actions. I'm not saying like right to mm-hmm. people if he has harmed people. Um, watch documentary interesting. It's a docu-series. Um, yeah. But again, I don't even know what it's called it, so yeah. find it. <laughs> <laughs> but again, so again, again, he wasn't necessarily against gay people, but he was losing his culture. Linked in his mind. And again, sometimes we're taught certain things. I'm not sure how education systems were in the past. Again, it's understanding. Again, um, I made. Mm. I can't convince you your name is not Nelson because you've been told your name is Nelson repeated. Mm-hmm. So that's your reality. Mm-hmm. So I, in a sense, for some people, I'm not excusing some horrible actions people have done, but it's only break some people's reality. That's right. And some people obviously know what's going on and they're doing harmful things on purpose, but there's some people, yeah. like, again, you grew up in a very small town and it's not your fault that it could be one particular race mm-hmm. and ethnic other ethnicities mm-hmm. that you grew up in and then sometimes another person's in and you try to have some reaction. I think as humans are a bit fearful of change, it goes back to the yeah. being comfortable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting, like, change the differences. I sat down to have a beer with a student who's part of the LGBT. How's it called? LGBTQ. Yeah. Yeah. So 
everyone. I think he was, but it's not my thing to just, you know, first of all, let me identify you yeah. before I talk to you. So then I can slot you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that was not my, and, uh, but he had some good opinions. He, he was very political. Church upbringing. Uh, so it wasn't really a good experience he had of church growing up. Sad. It really was. Imposters, maybe, you know. Counterfeit bills. Counterfeit bills, maybe. Um, it was sad to hear him. Uh, he says, I've left the church, and this and that, and this and over and over. And, um, and I said, did you know that uh, Jesus' biggest problem in his day? Probably, I'm summarizing it, and uh, I'm oversimplifying it to make it. I said, his biggest problem was with religious people. What? Yeah, his biggest problem was with religious God experts. Those who thought they had the inside track on God. And assuming they had the inside track on God, they leveraged themselves and really gave Jesus a hard time. I said, really? I found it. in John chapter 8, but we being caught in adultery. And it was the religious people of the day that caught her react. One pastor says, I don't know how you could catch someone in a very act and there'd be just one person there. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Carl Koch out of uh, Redirection Ministries in Charlotte, North Carolina. Would you believe he said this one sermon in 1991? I still remember. I'll try not to make it confusing to our listeners, but long story short, these very same religious people of the day, according to tradition, during the time of season that it was, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, so you look that up and find out what that means later, read a scripture from another portion of the Old Testament that illustrated what a backslidden religion looks like. And their position was, this is what a backslidden, unfaithful, irreligious group looks like. We're not going to be them. Okay? So that's the backdrop of what's happening with this woman being caught in adultery. They had just finished reading that scripture publicly at the temple. And they brought this woman to Jesus to question him, to see if they're, you know, religious people always try to trap one another, you know. They always try to get you in a corner and accuse you. Yeah. I'm not a religious person. Thank God. So, so Jesus bends down and starts writing in the sand if you read John chapter 8, that's so important. You ever figure that out? And that detail is so important that it's written a few verses later. Again, he bent down and wrote in the ground. All kinds of theories about what he was writing in the ground. Oh, he was playing X and O's. You know, oh, he's playing bingo. Or he's writing their sins. And, and we could all take our best guess. And I'm, and I'm inclined to trust what Dr. Carl Koch said. And he said in Jeremiah chapter 17, it mentions a portion of script in that Jeremiah 17 that says something like this. Oh God, the hope of Israel, all who turned away from you will be ashamed. Those who, who, who turn away from you or something like that will be written in the dust. What was Jesus doing? He's writing in the dust. The very scripture that they just finished reading Jesus was writing in the dust. In other words, telling them, you guys are the one that forsake God. You just read a scripture about a backslidden, irreligious group. 
that you're the ones that is backslidden and irreligious and unfaithful. Now get this. This was the this really hit me in the gut when he said We made a funny comment about, you know, you can't catch someone in a very act of adultery, there would be just one person there. The better reading of he that is without sin throw the first stone is he that is without this sin, adultery, throw the first stone. What do you think those teachers of the law and Pharisees were doing there? Catching this woman in the very act of adultery. Watching? Or were they participating? Mm-hmm. After they had just pardoned the language, had a gangbang session with this woman. Religious people. They quickly switch boats, if you will, switch teams, get her dressed, and drag her before Jesus. See, that's how effed up religion is. Yeah. It's a facade. It's an imposter. If our religion is kept to spit and polish veneer and fashion shows only, that's a brutal, brutal religion. Now, as I'm, I'm telling this Bible lesson to this guy <laughs> at Original Joe's as we're sipping on beers and having a good chat, and this is what mentoring to me is about. It's the real deal. I'm not sitting holding a class, here's my PowerPoint, take notes. You know, that was, that's good. That's just not my approach. Now, if Jesus ever wanted to condemn sin and beat you up for your shortcomings, this was his perfect opportunity, don't you think? Yeah. This is a perfect opportunity to let this woman have it. And by the way, Jesus having already addressed those Pharisees in the law, saying, he that is without this sin, throw the first stone, the sin of adultery. Guess what they couldn't do it, could they? No. They dropped their stones and they said, he's on to us. He's on to us. And they leave. He says, woman, where are your accusers? Religion always accuses, by the way. Jesus doesn't. And here's where it's perfectly illustrated. Where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? Nobody. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus wanted to condemn and beat up sinners. That was his perfect platform. And he could have let this woman have it. But he didn't even necessarily beat up religion either. He just said, if you're without sin, go ahead. Throw that first one. Give it your best throw. Put some, you know, put some spit on it and make it a, let that, you know, let that fastball drop. No, he did not do it. He says, I'm not condemning you. And then a religion or a form of Christianity that comes around, that goes from neighborhood to neighborhood berating them for their sin. Guess what? I don't think that's Jesus. And I told this young man, I said, Jesus doesn't condemn sin. Guess what? He died for it. Jesus died for our sin. And see, Christianity is not some ridiculous behavior class that's meant to scare you into heaven and hell out of you. It's meant to, it's just, it's just not come and behave yourself for God. How ridiculous. It's just not it. And I just can't stand that message. Yeah. Fix yourself up, you know? Yeah, I think again over time, um, kids miss, uh, people, I think they want almost have a certain narrative in mind. Yeah. Charismatic people and mm-hmm. wrong intentions sometimes. And yeah. Read one, you mentioned one scripture, one part of a religious text, not yeah. the 
entirety. They don't consider the entirety of mm-hmm. religious text as the one section. Yeah. And like, oh, we must follow this because yeah. God or Jesus said. And then whatever. around beating beating other people up. Or a certain other group or... or just because and, and assuming superiority yeah. or something else, which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Like, if, like did Jesus was, come and do that? Did he come and no. say, "It's like, look at how great I am"? Yeah. No, he came and he washed people's feet. He sat with sinners and tax collectors. Hung out. Yeah, hung out with people. That's what I want to do. Yeah. I just want to hang out with people, have a have a good chat and a beer, and have those pivotal, important conversations. And uh, and I like to coin a phrase. I like to say God's rule or God's kingdom is built one holy conscience at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Sometimes between you and I, sometimes between me and God, sometimes us and God, most often it's all three. Yeah. And Conversations are holy. Yeah. There we go. And do you think, um, um, you, um, do you think me potentially having um, churches in the sense or maybe just in sense quote-unquote religion where um, you almost have to live life uh, a distinct certain way against some of these religions. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that just gives, again, like I mentioned, it puts Christianity or the essence of what, whatever Jesus has done mm-hmm. in a certain different light. Do you think, again, that uh, just paints a different narrative compared to, um, do you think there should be a kind of quote religion? I'm sorry, sorry, this gets my real question. Do you think there should be a religion um, in a sense, or do you think it's all Christianity or I guess what you're taking away from mm-hmm. the Bible, you think it almost shouldn't just be almost how should I phrase? Almost like a, almost a, a value system, or yeah. instead of like I'm gonna be burned for my sins, I gotta can't drink, can't do this, but almost live um, not, live well with, uh, with what's in your heart in a sense. So it I feels so. good. If it feels good in your heart, it agrees with you, and mm-hmm. almost live life that way with just being kind to people. Instead of if you make a mistake, you're gonna you're gonna burn, burn to hell. Do you think mm-hmm. do you think that's a true kind of way to look at it, or versus kind of a mm-hmm. in a sense religion? Yeah, well, I'm justifying. Well, one thing for sure, I'm just not into inviting. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm just one thing for sure in response to your question is that I'm, I'm not sure, but one thing I am sure of is that God is just not calling us to a set of rules and regulations. Christianity is much, much more than that, and it certainly is much better than that. It's not calling us to outward actions of right or wrong, though outward actions of right and wrong do matter. They have consequences. Um, But yeah, he's just not calling us to be a bunch of religious nutcases that go around enforcing our rules on one another and and, uh, looking down our noses at other people. Again, Jesus wasn't a big fan of religion. Again, those God experts who thought they had the inside track on God. He tells another story in the Gospel of Luke, I think, that speaks to this generation of irreligious people. I don't blame them for being in a generation of irreligious people. I would have it too, you know? Yeah. Some of the stories I hear are the young adults, and mostly their, their parents' poor experience. I don't blame them. I would have walked away a long time ago as well. Yeah, and years ago, years ago, this is like hundreds and hundreds, like, yeah. um, basically, essentially the Lightning era after the Dark Ages, was, the church was everything. Mm-hmm. It was the church. Yeah. And, yeah. So, and the church was center of culture. And, center of yeah. culture. And, so and education and music and everything like that. Well, um, he told a story. Again, Jesus was the storyteller. He, he tells a story about how a sinner, a sinner, that would be me, by the way, 
and a religious person stood beside one another praying to God one day. And the first religious person starts out and he says, God, I thank you I'm not like the sinner to my left over here. I pray to you every day. I tithe all my income. I fast, I give to the poor. In other words, he had this big, long list of how fantastic he was. That's religion. The real stuff is this guy who... And then came the second guy, Jesus says, who tore his shirt and beat his chest. He said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Jesus said, that second guy went home justified before God. Not the other guy who thought he was pretty good. And again, there's just something about that nasty, nasty religion that just assumes superiority over others and has this comparison syndrome that I'm better than you. I don't want to hear messages like that. I don't think God does either. No. If, if you want to stand before God and tell him how great you are, you're crazy. Goodness, we don't even do that in front of the presidents. Yeah, regardless. Yeah. How are you going to do that in front of God and, and tell, tell him how great you are and how wonderful you are? No, I'd rather be the other guy that just says, have mercy on me. Mistakes and I trip and I do this and I do that. And I'm sorry. I really am. That's the kind of message that I'm more attuned to yeah, than, than anything else. Yeah, I like that message. Yeah. Especially. And, and just remember, if you like that message, that was 2,000 years ago. That's when Jesus said that message, you know. And then, and then you get all this goofy church stuff that really messes things up, you know. Exactly. And especially now with the amount of different, the, um, not diversity, diversity that we have in mm-hmm. our society today with the amount of different cultures, um, even different religions, ethnicities, that, mm-hmm. that uh, yeah, they, they can't be one one particular race or one particular ethnic group better than the other. It just can't be. Yeah. Because we all, I think we all add, we all add, add to life. We all make life better in a sense. And, mm-hmm. and, well, listen to this. He, Jesus again talking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 23. And he's really given it to those religious people who cause division and whatever. Uh, he starts, he says, you know, let me find it. He says, uh, Jesus turns to his disciples, and I'm just paraphrasing here, along with the crowd that had gathered me. He says, you know, those religious scholars and Pharisees, they're pretty good teachers in God's law. You won't go wrong in following their teachers, but you got their teachings, but you got to be careful about following them. They talk a good line, but they don't live it. They don't take it into their hearts. It's all spit and polish veneer. Instead of giving you God's law as food and drink to banquet on, they package it down in bills of rules, loading you down like pack animals. Does not that sound like churches today? They seem to take pleasure in watching you stagger underneath these loads and wouldn't think of a finger, wouldn't think of lifting a finger to help you. Their lives are prepared fashion shows, embroidered prayer shawls one day, flowery prayers the next. They love to sit at the head of the ch- head of tables at church dinners, basking in the most prominent positions, preening in the radiance of public flattery. And he goes on to say, I've had it with you, you religious God experts. And this has been a big prayer of mine as I minister to you, as I minister to others. 
your lives. Jesus is speaking to religious people, God experts. Your lives are roadblocks to God's kingdom. The way you live stops people from believing in God. Does that sound like today's world? Yeah. The way you live stops people from believing. And so my prayer is often, God, let me be a bridge to you, not a roadblock. Let me be a bridge. You refuse to enter God's kingdom. You don't let anyone enter either. You go halfway around the world to make a convert. And when you do, you make him twice the son of hell as you. Do you think think you're going to get away with this? You're not going to get away with it. Those who misrepresent Jesus call themselves Christians and yet go and destroy the world and cause divisions and hate. You won't get away with it. No. No. Uh, And again, I want to make it clear, we're not talking about if you're, you know, have a certain dominion in the church, whatever faith you believe in, you know, we're not bashing you, but what we are referring to is your behavior. People people Mm -hmm. who mean to do harm, yeah. I guess through the religious means, they pursue maybe another group or yeah. through religious means. We're not talking about if, you know, if you're a good person and wholesome and believe in whatever you believe. You can believe in whatever you want to believe in, but it's when you do harm with it. I think that's, that's right. where you maybe have the wrong message. Or that's right. So you'd, always try, that clear. you'd always tell a tree by the fruit it bears, right? Exactly. And if that tree isn't bearing good fruit, can't be God. Can't be God. Yeah, and, and what um, so over your twenty eight years, what has been, what has been maybe some cool because you obviously probably have stayed in touch with some people you start out with in your youth groups. Mm-hmm. Um, what has maybe been maybe a story or two of maybe someone who was I don't want to say troubled or maybe was wasn't the best for them. They weren't in a, a great home or That's a great person. Um, what has been, been a cool story where someone may reach back out to you or you kept in contact with where. Um, that you maybe personally helped other people. Yeah, I think of a particular person where just life had become better for him. Though he grew up in a, a, a good home. And I was just, and my heart went out to him because he had, uh, man, what, I can't remember what he had. It's a brain disease that caused him to slip into, uh, oh man, but anyway. Brain disease does, it, does what? It's like a brain disease. Um, yeah. I don't know, but anyway, but but he would always be kind of terrified by this, you know? He'd slip into comas, he'd slip into seizures. What's that when you go into a seizure? Epilepsy? Epilepsy, that's what he had. Oh, okay. Epilepsy. That took a while, eh? And uh, so he had I seen him. Like, he was... What, I might have met him when he was 14. Um... It was really sad. It was really sad. Sometimes it happened in public and he'd be so embarrassed. He'd fall down and, and stiffen up and his eyes would go glassy. He would be foaming at the mouth. And it was very sad. And he'd later on tell me he'd be afraid to go to sleep in case he slips into a seizure. And, and um, I felt bad for him. And I reached out to him and his family and just, you know, I can't fix his epilepsy, but I could keep him company. You know, he went on married. and But before that, it was really quite nice and that he shared the story. Of, he was in, they just couldn't quite figure out which part of his brain was misfiring. 
and uh, when he they went into for an exploratory surgery on his brain and right there on the surgery table his brain misfired and they were able to tell and they just sort of for lack of a better term and education on the, on the subject they were able to snip that part of his brain out it was completely fine wow. today he went on to get married, have kids, and enjoy. I think he's a fireman somewhere in in, uh, in Ontario. He's just doing, he's doing better. That's incredible. Oh, what a relief. And to know the, the terror he lived with as a child, <coughs> having epilepsy all his life. And it's very sad, but he's doing, seems to be doing much better, so good for him. Other people, I'll tell you random stories, maybe that I haven't had uh, ongoing, ongoing relationships with, but this is kind of a good story. Check this yeah. out. This is really cool. Go ahead, yeah. 19, what year would that be? 1991, I was a high school coach at uh, a school in Regina. And though I wasn't sure about mentoring, I didn't even have that term, but I found myself naturally, in addition to coaching basketball, just uh, being a big brother role to many of these young people. And um, I was also in the faculty of education. I wanted to be a high school teacher myself. It was only my first year, and so they allowed me to sit in on an English class. That was my minor. My major was history. It was, um, I was going to be a high school teacher, and then my minor was uh, English. They had to get special permission, of course, for me to sit in on the class, so it's not disruptive. And I thought, well, I'll just sit at the back of class and watch. And there was this one student who was particularly disruptive. Yeah, particularly disruptive, and uh, again, the days before ADD, ADHD, he could have had that, but he was just lumped in, lumped in as a bad kid. And but the teacher was really good. She was gentle. She was patient. Tried to get him to remain in his desk. Tried to get him to do his homework, and and um, and also it was kind of hard on the other students too. You know, um, it was hard for them to learn, pay attention, but whatever. Fast forward to the future now, and I, oh no, no, pardon me, and I had to eat, I just befriended him. You know, when you do just simple acts of kindness, you really change people's lives. And I remember taking him out to eat in, in Red Lobster. It was a little awkward. I wasn't sure what I was doing, didn't have a lot of skill sets, nor a lot of life experience to offer. But again, I offered him what I could, which was company, friendship, conversation, and I could buy the meal. Well, like I said, around that time, I'd become a Christian, go on to Bible for nine years. Um, then I became a pastor of youth. I became a senior pastor of a church here in Edmonton, First Nations Lions Church. One Christmas, I found myself gone home. I'd go home every Christmas. I'd fly home. No, I would fly, I'd fly on the highway. <laughs> because sometimes I was cutting it real close because I'd have to have a Christmas, serve, Christmas Eve service here in Edmonton. And our services were always in the afternoon. So then it started one, and I try to end it by two, keep it short, so I can hit the road. Other times, you know, visiting takes place. Yeah. And I love Christmas. Everybody loves Christmas. Get to talking. Get to talking. Get to sharing. Merry Christmas. Exchange of gifts there in the foyer of the church. And then come 3.30, I thought, I've got to get home. So I hustle home and just barely make it for Christmas midnight. We have a few days to ourselves as family. It was wonderful. Well, later that week, my sister says to me, uh, Let's go dancing. I said, like, dancing, dancing? Like, dancing in the club? And she says, yeah, of course. 
And we, we're a family that grew up getting their groove on, like you, Peter. I imagine you're much the same. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like the yeah, yeah. I, I see your disco ball here and your dancing pole. <laughs> I see you're practicing. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so we grew up doing that and enjoying it. And uh, it was fun. It was really fun for what it was worth. And I said, I go to the nightclub. Are you crazy? Why? So well, I would pass someone gets wind of it. Not that I was trying to be secretive necessarily, but it's about setting the example. Yeah. They think, well, if past you now, going to go to the nightclub, I can, and it'll be a little bit more difficult for them. So I just want to avoid controversy, and I just want to avoid any suspicion. I just, I can't go. Nobody's going to hear about this. This is ridiculous. Although they're hearing about it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, nobody's going to hear about it. So, um, Fine. No pictures, no social media, you know, no, no going live on Facebook, although that was many years ago. I don't know if any of those features of Facebook existed. We go out, we dance, we have a good time. Didn't party, didn't drink. It was fun. And end of the night, the club is crowded and people are milling about, saying goodnight, getting their jackets in the middle of winter, it's Christmas time, and they're cussing out. I'm waiting there for my sister who is much more extroverted than me, if you could possibly imagine. She's saying hi and giving hugs and high five to everybody in the room, even if she doesn't know them, I'm sure. <laughs> and right across the bar, not across the bar, but maybe about maybe 15 feet ahead, I'm sort of taking a cursory glance across the club and I, this guy is staring at me. Is he staring at me or is he looking past me? You ever been in a crowd and somebody waves at you, you wave back, and oh. they're actually waving to someone behind you? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, and I, and I was just hoping that that was the case. He can be looking at me or looking to someone behind. So I ignore for a few seconds, and he's moving through the crowd towards me. And then I realize, oh, he's looking at me. And he's a big boy. He's probably six foot three. He was taller than me, unless he had some kind of heels going on or something. He had this, he had this sleeveless top and a leather jacket, bald head and a goatee, and he had arms of seal. And he looked big. He walks up to me and what was there? What was your initial thought before? Well, I thought he, what, pardon me? What was your initial kind of thought or? Well, I thought, I don't know, he must think I'm someone else as he's moving. He didn't say anything, but he's moving towards me. His eyes are on me. He must think I'm somebody else for sure. Well, that was quickly squashed when he said, are you Nelson? Which I said, that depends. <laughs> that depends. And he says, come on. He says, are, are you Nelson? I said, I am. Yes. And I'm looking at him. I'm six foot one, but I'm looking up at him. So he's taller. He's going to be, like I said, six three or six four. Do you know who I am? No, I don't know who you are. You don't know who I am. I have no idea who you are. My name is Johnny. Okay. When I was 15, I went to O'Neill High School in Regina, and you took me to Red Lobster Lunch. It was that same kid, disruptive kid in that English class in Grena. Wow. And how many years later was this where I guess, I don't know, maybe 20 years later, so 15 years later, something like that, and he says, I never did, and you took my lobster and you told me about Jesus. He was a preacher back then even. And uh, you told me about Jesus and uh, I'll never forget it. I never did follow that way of life. Maybe sometimes I do regret it, but I don't forget your kindness. Thank you. 
Thank you for doing that. You believe it? Pastor Nelson in the middle of the club having church. And he turned away and he walked away. I thought, did that really happen? 15, 20 years later, whatever it is, he remembered a simple act of kindness. And oddly enough, that's what I continue to do today. I continue to meet up with students, meet up and we have holy conversations, we eat. But that was a very special moment. I even told that in a different church nowadays, you know. So I don't know if that's a transferable mode of ministry that everybody should be going out and getting the groove on, but regardless, acts of kindness go a long way. They, they certainly do, and I think, I believe that, you know, obviously these groups are, I think, are important, and obviously we talk about, you know, podcasts are important, and, yeah, yeah. and all these helpful resources are, are great, but then again, having that experience where you have someone who you know cares about you and that maybe you know someone there are people who do care changes your per, changes your perception and you can lead a different life and just by just speaking to someone can alter your, your life drastically having either listening to someone offering, offering compassion and I think we need uh, I think we need more of that people to Amen. listen um, uh, people just to be there and say hey I hear what you're saying mm-hmm. and I'm here for you and mm-hmm. and even myself you know I never thought I, uh, I guess need help I I think you and myself, um, I think that's how you and I met. Um, yeah. Met, met at our office, and yeah. and I just reached out to you, and we just, we just chatted, and yeah. and I found it help help just, uh, you know, I, I have close friends who I speak with, and also my family, but I think sometimes even having that external resource, I agree. people don't really kind of know you in a sense, or yeah. have almost maybe preconceived, or yeah. preconceived notions. A little less bias, right? Yeah, because I think, again, your friends for how many years they know you as the person they met maybe five years ago sometimes or mm-hmm. especially your parents they know you as sometimes a troublemaker I was definitely a troublemaker when I was younger Yeah. and so having someone just there to talk to and maybe mm-hmm. express certain ideas with or mm-hmm. or for them maybe to share their experiences with can be yeah. just incredible and maybe a very impactful for someone to maybe on a wrong path to go on the right path and, that's right and I think I think we need more of that now people just more compassion, more love, and and I think people do have the right to be mad, and people do have the right to be upset with certain issues that are happening or whatever's happening. But then we should everyone to yeah, again come together, be compassionate, listen, and yeah. see how we can um, work together to improve society. I think even though obviously now I don't think ever, and I don't think society or anything's going to be one hundred percent perfect ever. Mm-hmm. But I think if you look even at that, if this was. 15, 20, instead of mm-hmm. 20, 20, I think mm-hmm. we have it better than it used to be, mm-hmm. you know, especially with so plumbing and yeah. some simple, again, I'm not trying to um, uh, downplay any, you know, real issues that are happening, but right. But again, there were, there's slavery used to exist in Canada, mm-hmm. but now it doesn't. So yeah. I think, I think it's important um, to one, I think it's important to acknowledge not only the bad things mm-hmm. and the good, but to also acknowledge the good things that are happening Again, don't give in to the fear. Yeah. And let's look at the good things and how we can improve upon those good things. And bear some good fruit. Very good, bro. Yeah, so, yeah, we've been talking for a while now. I think over or over an hour and a half we've been no, just talking. Um, big convos. Where, where can people find you? Where can people you know, find your me message? On, yeah, probably find me on social media. How, how do you spell? So I definitely... Um, 
to hear it, but I definitely um, messed up your name on on the intro of the podcast. <laughs> I read it as it was on Facebook, so I'm yeah. definitely going to redo it after this. But yeah, uh, for sure. How do, how do you spell your name and where can people just find your... Um... Well, you can probably find me just on Facebook. I, I use that platform mostly. I'm not very good at Instagram. <laughs> I'm not all that hot. You know, yeah. you have to have fit some fitness body to get some great, great followership. But anyway, I'm just teasing, teasing myself, really. And um, you can find uh, Facebook. My name is Nelson. And my last name is Kashawatam. That's K-A-I-S-O-W-A-T-U-M. Kashawatam. Yeah, I pronounce it as is, so... Yeah, very good. So, I don't know. I'm not like you said, but like I pronounce like a sound the words out. Yeah. And I taught you in elementary school, so... Sure. Yeah. It's a method I still use. Yeah. Age 25. Nice. <laughs> but, uh, so, I will re-record that, but... Uh, and what would be... Yeah, what would be a final message, thought, even if you want to? Um, I know some people... Or maybe like this, mm-hmm. even if it's if one of me, 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 maybe it's be you and I listening to this. Who knows yeah. who's gonna? But uh, as I mentioned, I'm just starting this podcast. So you're sure. my second guest. Yeah. Um. What, even if it's a prayer, even if you're not religious, um, try to listen to the, maybe the, the goodness in the message or yeah. the point of the message, not necessarily the religious context or mm-hmm. Christian Christian context. Like mm-hmm. exclude that if you don't believe in that. You know it's mm-hmm. okay. But um, you know, what would be something you want to leave uh, leave people with? I would say um, get well, get well. If you really want to enjoy your success in life, uh, take your inside life and and uh, and work on that. Work on your soul. Work on uh, your your thought processes, emotional life, because you can be as successful as you want to be. And I'm all about success, uh, but uh, you won't be able to enjoy it. You won't be re-, re able. You won't really be able to enjoy all the good things in life unless the inside is right first. So live your life from the inside out. Perfect. I love that message. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being my guest.